No, in all sincerity, it is an honor and a privilege uh, to be here with everyone this morning and to see a full house. Wow, this is amazing. Uh, before I proceed this morning, uh, there's something I want to do. I know that Pastor Jay just did it, but I think it's so important. Um, I have been so humbled and grateful to be a part of the Gate Church leadership pastoral team during this season. This has been... Uh, I don't have words to, to really describe it. it. This has not been the most fun season of our life. This has been difficult. We loved Bishop, and, and just while I'm on it, thank you for being so good to my family, the Roberts clan and the Miller clan. Uh, everyone has been so good to us, and so we're deeply grateful for that. And here's what I want to say about this. I've been so grateful to be a part for that reason that I just mentioned, but really for this reason most of all, is because I have been so humbled by the leadership and dedication of my teammates and of our senior pastor, Pastor Kathy. And I wanna say thank you, Pastor Kathy, for sticking. And so, um, I don't know how old I was. I was 21 something. And uh, I was really grappling with should I do me? I felt like in my heart that maybe the Lord wanted me to do ministry, but honestly, I couldn't stand preachers. And so I was really grappling <laughs> over whether or not I was going to do ministry. And uh, Pastor Kathy, one night in youth, uh, I was not, it was out of the blue. It was like, here's a mic, go tell your testimony. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's like rated for church. And, uh, but she gave me a chance to speak. And uh, man, I went too long and it was, it was rough around the edges. And, but she was the first person to tell me, hey, you did a good job. And this is what she said. She said, I think you have the gift to communicate. And she was one of the first people that ever tell me that. And the Lord took that and that gave me the spark of confidence I needed to say, hey, maybe I can do this. And she had that, you had that impact on my life and so many others. And so I want to honor you and say thank you for giving me an opportunity. And you're still giving me opportunities. So thank you so much. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different today. Everybody take a breath. We're going to have some fun, I think. I hope it's not going to be too heavy for you. My goodness. I'm not going to open with a scripture. Lord, tell Bishop, don't be mad at me. I'm not going to open with a scripture, but before it's said and done, there's going to be plenty of scriptures, okay? And so I want to say this. Pastor Jay did a tremendous job last week of bringing the word holy moly. And so I'm going to build on some of his imagery that he incorporated into his sermon. And so a lot of things I'm going to say to you today are my own life experiences and conversations that I've had with my wife, with David, Pastor Jay, Pastor Kathy. These are things that we've worked out in our lives. Like these are true stories. These are real things. And so I'm privileged to be able to share those with you. I'm going to build on what Pastor Jay did. And so if you haven't uh, seen or you weren't here, you need to get on YouTube and you need to find Pastor Jay's sermon from last week. It was astounding. And so we're going to build on that today. And so as we do, here's a thought that we want to begin with, that we want to hold in our hearts and hold in our mind. And that is that if we want to use imagery to try to understand ourselves and the relationship that we have with God, who are we 
Who is he and what is he up to? How does this work? What do I do? What is God trying to do? It's very easy to say like Pastor Jay did last week that we are like a garden and that our physical bodies are quite literally from the dust of the earth. And the way that he interacts with our body, with our soul, and with our spirit is very much how a gardener interacts with his garden. And I love something that Pastor Jay said last week when he said that if a gardener can bring a plant back to life, how much more can God do in our lives when it comes to bringing dead things back to life? A little bit of help. I wanted to say it last week. I was jumping up and down on the inside, so I'm just going to make myself feel good here. It is never too late for God to turn a situation around. It's never, ever, ever too late for God to look at a thing that looks dead and it looks hopeless and him say, just let me get a touch on it and I'll bring life out of it. You can't outdo him or overcome him when it comes to death. He has the final say when it comes to what's dead and what ain't. And so, we are like the garden. And Pastor Jay's right, God is the gardener and he looks at our life and through the miraculous, wonderful power of Jesus, the blood of Christ, there's a bridge that is built for God to get into our lives. He does this in our body. He does this in our spirit man. And so he reaches down into our spirit man and he digs and he plants a little, little plant in there and he puts the seed in there, just like Pastor Jay said, okay? But now here's what happens. We say the sinner's prayer. We begin our walk with the Lord and God does the work. He plants the seed and we often make the mistake. It feels good. I feel things I've never felt. I feel alive. Some people say, maybe I feel light as a feather. But how many of you know that those feelings fade? Now, I don't know about you. I remember the exact spot where I was when I gave my heart to the Lord. I remember it was like a rush of adrenaline is the best way I know to describe it. When the Lord came to live in my heart, and I've always known since that day that I was different. There was something happened in me that day, and no one can take it from me. But how you know, that'd be great if where the story ends. But the truth is, is that so many times that's not where it ends. It's just the beginning. And so we start going through life. And if you're like me, I've grown up in church. Mom and daddy's a preacher, been in great churches my whole life. And I've shown up to church a lot saying, if this is all there is to this, I might rather go do something else. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm not talking about like, is church boring? I'm talking about there comes difficulties in the Christian walk that if we don't know how to navigate them, we start to become shut down and isolated, and we start to feel like I don't have the same spark that I once had. And then we get in a habit of using church like a defibrillator. And so we go through our lives feeling numb and dead. And really, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. I love you. We're going through life like spiritual zombies. I've heard so much preaching about destiny and purpose and apostolic conquest, world ruling, Jesus conquering mountains. He will do it all. 
But I look around at people and I see so often, I see mountains of wasted potential. I've seen it in my own life, to be fair. And so do you ever hear great messages and then feel like that's up here and my life is like down here? Well, how does that happen? So how do we go from that amazing work that Pastor Jay was talking about last week to getting to where some of us are today? And we feel like I've lost the spark. Something's off. Something's different. Why is it that everybody else in church is jumping around in circles and I'm like, I don't, I'm not getting it. There's one guy back there said, preach it. He knows what I'm talking about. The rest of y'all, listen, you're going to have to put the religious thing down today. You're not going to have any fun. If you want to have some fun, just go ahead and say, I'm not going to be religious today, okay? You're not perfect, and you've come to church and went, I want to go eat fried chicken more than I want to hear the end of this sermon, okay? You know it, and I know it. There's been times that if we didn't turn the music up to 11, and Ashley and that beautiful honey voice is not saying, lift your hands, lift your hands and worship, you're finally like, I'll do it, okay. The offering takes so long, fine, I'll give you $5, okay, leave me alone. I'm out of the house because I got free childcare. Don't. I've been back there and helped check in the kids. I know you do it. I know you do. You've been there. And don't try to come in here and say, I walk around glowing in the dark, devil stomping, cancer crushing. No, you're not. Stop. See why I couldn't stand preachers? Preachers walked around like that my whole life, and I thought, you are full of it. There ain't nobody that holy and that righteous all the time. I've seen preachers, they preach good, talk in tongues. I'm like, I guarantee you there's a Copenhagen can somewhere in his truck, and there's a Led Zeppelin CD under the seat. You know what I'm talking about. So, we lose the spark. We lose the spark. And that's because something happens. Is it because, did, did God lose his spark? Did Jesus lose his spark? No. We know the answer to that. No. You don't get up out of a grave and then lose the spark. If you get up out of the grave, you got the spark, baby. You set. Okay? So Jesus is good. God's good. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's good. So that where's the problem? Right here. Right? Okay. So some things that we need to remember. If we want God's life to be springing up from within us like a garden, if we want that to be our reality, we need to understand that Jesus and Jesus alone is the source of my life. Don't, not yet. It's too soon. (laughs) Jesus is the source of my life. Nothing else. I have learned some hard lessons to come to understand what I just said to you. Now, you could have asked me at 15 and said, hey, is Jesus the source of your life? Oh, yeah, because I've heard that preached my whole life. But is he really? The source of my, so what am I talking about? So we're a garden. He's the source of my life. I got scripture for you. I told you it was coming. So write this down in your notebook. 
John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. Catch this. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. Jesus Christ is the light of the universe. He is the light of our existence. Now, I learned in school that a plant needs light if it's going to grow. Jesus is the light of our life. There is nothing else that can take his place when it comes to the light of our life. Nothing. Nothing can take his place. So he is like light. He also is like water. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says this, Blessed is the man who puts his trust in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Heard that preached my whole life, and what I was told was that if you'd get planted, that means if y'all would come to church four weeks in a row, your life would be perfect. Now, you need to come to church all four weeks, now, to be fair. You need to do that. But what did it say? Put your trust in the Lord. What does that mean when it says put your trust? It means build the foundation of your life on Jesus. And when you do, your garden, your potential, your design, the thing that God made you to be, whatever you are, okay, some of you are a cactus. <laughs> Prickly, to say it nicely. Some are beautiful petunias, soft and delicate. Whatever he made you to be, when he is the source of your life, you will always bear fruit. The scripture says, you will always bear fruit. So if we're not bearing fruit, there's a problem. Tracking with me? Let's keep going. John 4 and 14. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. The water I give them will become in them a water, a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Jesus is saying, when you come to me and you drink the water that I give you, it satisfies something in you that you'll never be thirsty again. And when you get a taste of that, you're not going to want nothing else. Psalm 42, 1 and 2 says, as the deer pants... For the water brooks, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I appear before him? What's David saying? I've been to the place where they believe that he wrote this from. And you believe me, you need a drink of water. It's in the desert. And I've seen the little deer that he's talking about. And they hang out near the streams. 
And if they get away from the stream, they're not going to make it. It's the middle of the desert. And so David understood in his body, (laughs) you need water. But what did he say? My soul, more than my body, wants to go drink out of the cool, clean streams of Engedi. My soul is crying out for the living God. When he says the living God, what's he saying? He's saying, I want the real thing. I don't want all the stuff that people talk about and the hoopla and the show and the da-da-da. I don't even want a crown. My soul is crying out within me. I want the living God. I want the real thing. I want adulterated, unadulterated, 120 proof. I want the real thing. And I'm here to tell you this morning that whatever you may be missing in your life, The answer, the real answer, is Jesus. It is Jesus. It's Jesus every day of the week and twice on Sunday. It's when you go to bed. It's when you get up in the morning. The answer for our lives is Jesus. The things that we're hungry for and thirsty for and we're walking around in the dark and we can't figure out where we're going. We need Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else. So where does the problem come in? Satan can't stop Jesus. He can't interrupt what God's doing. So then why do we have these problems? God, you say the prayer, Jesus comes in, kerplunk, plants the seed in there, and can't nobody take it from you. But then what happens? Satan can't stop Jesus, but he can deceive you. Because even God won't override your free will, and Satan knows that. He knows the only way he can slow you down is to get to you. He can't go up and, you know, like, warfare God. That don't work. But what he can do is trick us. We have a great example of that. In the Bible, Adam and Eve, they've got it made. They're in the garden that Jay's talking about last week. Everything's going good. Walking with God in the cool of the day. Getting their daily needs met with the Lord and with their creator. And then Satan comes along and says, did God really say Oh, man. If Jesus didn't already kick him real good for us, I'd like to myself. Just (laughs) come along. And what did he tempt them with? He tempted them with the right thing the wrong way. What did he say? Your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God. And you'll know the difference. They already knew everything that they needed to know about the difference between good and evil when God said, look at all this good that I made, just don't eat this one bad thing. That's everything you need to know. So what was he? He was tempting them with something that they already had. He just wanted them to go about trying to get it the wrong way. Guess what? Does the same thing to you and me all the time. He tempts us We know we're thirsty. I know that I want people to love me and accept me and to affirm me. I know that I want that. My soul is crying out for that, and there's nothing wrong with it. It feels so natural to you, you don't even question it. And that's where he comes in. He says, you can have the right thing, just get it the wrong way. And when you go after it the wrong way, he just got an open door. When when Eve bit the apple, did she fall over? Did Adam? Nope. But now Satan's got an open door. 
Was it wrong when Cain got upset? Why was Cain upset when he murdered his brother? What was he upset about? He wanted God's approval the same way that Abel had it. There's nothing wrong with wanting God's approval. But when he couldn't get it his way, brick and brother, he wanted the right thing the wrong way. Saul, King Saul, there's a million examples. King Saul comes along and the Lord says, wipe them out. If you do, things will go well. Saul goes in and does the right thing, tries to do the right thing the wrong way. And it cost him everything. If God compromises to give you what you want in a way that's not his way, he compromises the integrity of his kingdom and he can't do that. And he can't do that. He loves you so much. He wants you to have it. But he's not going to give it to you the wrong way because if he does, he's not who he says he is. And in that instant, the whole thing falls apart and it's going to be a bad day. Okay? So, here's what happens. Let me give you an example. I'm going to make it really real. My daddy was a block mason. So I know how to do this. Okay? I'm trying to decide if I want to tell my story or not yet. When I was a young boy, I was molested in the back room of our church. Real church, real people, right? And the way things transpired after that, I was about between six and eight. I don't really remember exactly. And the way things transpired, I walked away as a young boy and I believed a lie that said, you have to always take care of yourself because nobody else is going to. What did I want? I wanted somebody to go... Hang with me. Go beat the snot out of this guy. It was the first thing I wanted. And then I wanted somebody to talk to me and help me to figure out what just happened. And so I wanted the right thing. But it didn't come. And so because I'm an innocent kid with a fallen nature, I made a bad decision to believe that if Jordan doesn't take care of Jordan, no one else is going to. Did you know what? That's a lie. Look at how wicked the enemy is. See, he don't wait till you're 40 and got a PhD. Sometimes he does. He don't wait until you're till then to mess you up. He waits until you're vulnerable. And he waits. He's a predator. He looks for a weakness and he when he's got his shot, he takes it cuz he knows you chose that, Jordan. You say, how is that? No, no, no. At eight, I had a free will. And that's why I, there, I needed help to get to the right decision and not the wrong one. And so what did I believe? If I don't make money to take care of myself, then I'm not going to have nothing. Poverty mentality. See how they go together? You can never really be yourself 
and let people see who you really are because they may not like the real you because you have to be in control of everything. How do you think that played out in a marriage? Hmm? Now, in church, we got to survive, right? Because I'm the Lord. I have to take care of myself. I have to meet my own needs. Right? So we go to church. We learn the language. We learn the dancing. We learn the lingo. We learn to fake it in church. We love that little kid. He knows all the Bible stories. I memorized the Bible stories because I was afraid to get sent back to the classroom I'd just come from where I got molested two weeks ago. And we just keep going. And we keep building because we keep choosing to go after the right thing the wrong way. And every time that you do that, <clears throat> you come into agreement with a lie. And that is Satan's entryway into your life. And so there comes a point where he did the damage on day one. He gives you the block and the materials, and you start making your own blocks. And so one day, when mom is having a bad day and lashes out on you, you go, I can't trust women either. Even my sweet, lovely mama who never, ever hurt me. I can't trust her either. Can't trust women. That's going to work out real good when you marry sweet Holly one day. Did that one all on my own. And so what we become, because we never are challenged and it's never illuminated that, hey, man, you made a bad decision back here. Now we're a slave. We're a slave to our own kingdom. Making blocks, building blocks. You know, I read about another time in the Bible, Pastor David, where people were making blocks and bricks and they were slaves. And you know who sits at the top of this little castle? You. All by yourself. You're in charge. You're king. And if things are going good, it's good. Remember how I told you preachers got Led Zeppelin CDs in their seat of their car? I'll give you a Metallica lyric. And it all crashes down. And you lose your crown. And you point your finger and there's no one around. You are king nothing. I believe one of the big problems that we got in church today is we got people that God has touched their life and he has planted the most beautiful one. His best work was not the Rocky Mountains or the snow-covered Alps. His best work was you. And there is beautiful, amazing potential in people. And it's in there. When somebody preaches the word, it stirs the pot. When you get in worship and you feel God's presence, you stir, it stirs the pot. And you start getting an idea that maybe I can do it. Maybe there is something more. But we always seem to fall back onto this right here. Why is that? Because we've never learned how to tear down the wall. And so God's in here trying to do a miracle. He's trying to give you your daily ration, your daily supply of love, and all the things that are encompassed within that. And what's he bumping up against? 
You've built a nice little fortress for yourself. And so here's the problem. We build kingdoms for ourselves with our bricks. And in the moment, we feel safe and we feel secure. But here's the problem. You're trapped in there. And God has a hard time getting through to you. And the people around you almost can never but get so close. God is not trying to build fortresses. He's trying to build gardens. He wants to build gardens in us. He doesn't want you to be a slave to this. A slave to your own self. And Satan, like Pharaoh, Pharaoh didn't go down to the brick-making pits. Pharaoh went to the party and walked around in his robes and drew on paper what the Sphinx was going to look like. Satan gets you going and he goes on to somebody else. Moses, in the, in the form of Jesus, shows up and says, we're out of here, dude. So just like Jesus is the supply, he's also the answer for how do we tear down this wall. Does that feel okay? And so when we do this, we fall into the trap, into an idea that says we can create and control our own wellspring of life. And you never can. John 10, 27 and 8 says this, My sheep will hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I guide them to eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. God's holding you and your little castle and he's speaking to us, saying, if you'll come with me, I'll take all this away, and I'll give you freedom you could never imagine. I'll give you something you can't buy and you can't earn. I want you to have it so bad, I'll come down to earth, and I'll let them put me on a cross that I don't deserve. Because I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to do all the heavy lifting. All you have to do is follow my voice. Does that feel okay? And so here we have a scripture that sums this up quite well, actually from the Old Testament. Jeremiah 2 and 13 says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the foundation of living waters. That was one. And two, they have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so every time you add a block to the pile, here's what you're saying. I'm going to make for myself my own cistern. And the scripture clearly says that when you do that, you're making a mess. I shared with you that part of my life because I want you to know that this is not a game. And I went down this road. I've been in all the services, okay? I've been there. You name it, I've been there. And nobody could tear down this wall except for me because I'm the one that chose these decisions. I'll never forget. Oh, I got plenty of time. Look at me. I'll tell you all a funny story. 
And so my, my parents, so y'all just know, my parents are watching this. These are things we've talked about in length. So I'm not giving y'all some like dirty secret. That, that was a difficult time for all of us. And so my dad, he is, a, he is a tremendous man of God. And my dad, I mean, man, he is like a, he's like a true miracle in that where you look at where he came from to where he is, it is like there is a God. And honestly, watching him kept me for so many years because that man, he held on to God like a ski rope. And he just would not let go. And God's done amazing things in our family. And because my dad is that kind of guy, I mean, we came up in a very humble mountain church, okay? Mount Pleasant Church of God in Hiawassee, Georgia. You may not know what anything means I just said, okay? <laughs> we didn't handle snakes, but I have seen an 80-year-old woman, no lie, no, don't try this, but I have seen an 80-year-old woman jump up and run the seat backs from the back to the front and come off the front row and stick the landing better than any gold medal gymnast. <laughs> True story. We could have church because we're up there on the, we're up in the holler by ourselves. The, the, the pavement runs out a quarter mile past the church. It's a dirt road, okay? Like we're back in the woods, y'all, and we get up there and we would have church. And so my dad, you know, he got the vision for his life. That, hey, there's, there's more. There's nothing wrong. You know, we're going to honor our elders and our ancestors. We're going to build on what they gave us. And I'll never forget the first time he called me. I was dating, this is all part of the story. I was dating this girl, just trust me, not good. And he calls me, he's like, hey, we're going to church over here in Greenville. I want you to meet us over there. It's me and her was out, whatever. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, let's get in the truck, we're going and so we go to Redemption World Outreach Center. And this was about 01. <laughs> and I know some of you are not going to understand what I'm talking about, but you just have to trust me when I tell you that the best way to describe what 2001 members of Redemption World Outreach were like, fanatics is the best word I can come up with. And I'm talking about from the front to the back. It was packed with people that looked like they'd chew your arm off to get a blessing. <laughs> I mean, a, Apostle Ron could flex, and I mean, that place would come unglued. And so I had never seen anything like this. We were still singing out of the hymnal book. And I go in there, and they've got black paint on the back wall, and they've got these big old subwoofers. I thought I was having a heart attack. And I was like, this is heaven. <laughs> we get there that night, and Apostle Ron was not preaching. Bishop Tony Miller gets up there. I'm talking about preach the paint. See, y'all, I'm just saying, if you haven't been coming to the church long, you got mild bishop. Now, rewind to when Bishop was in his 40s. And man, that dude, I mean, ripped the paint off the wall. That place, I've never seen anything like it. It had such an impact on me. As I'm telling you this story, I see the images so vividly. What in the world am I trying to say here? The Lord touched my life. And so here's where he really got me, was I was about halfway back, and Holly was there down towards the front with her mom. And I didn't know them. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know that that was Bishop's daughter, except that they were sitting close to all the powerful people. <laughs> <clears throat> and Holly gets up to go to the bathroom, and she has on this, it looked like something out of the Matrix. 
girls don't dress like that in the holler, okay? Like overalls maybe, okay? She, it's like this black suit, but it's this long like pants coat thing. I mean, it's like a trench coat. It was like silk, it had flowers on it. It's like this big collar. It looked like, like Cruella DeVille when she was young, you know, and still had it. And she just came down in her heels. I was like, mighty God. I was like, this is the promised land. Listen, I was drinking the weekend before and went to redemption and saw Holly. And I was like, I'm serving the Lord the longest day I live. Listen, Bishop dismissed the service. I went and bought a Clint Brown CD and put it in my truck. And I said, I'm praising the power down and broke up with my girlfriend for it. We were out of the parking lot. We rode all the way back to Georgia, broke up. And I said, I'm serving Jesus, and I'm marrying Holly Miller. <laughs> Say what you want to, but here I am, baby. Ain't God good? Won't he do it? Hey! Changed my life, bless God. I was uh, at a youth camp not long after that. That was the first time we met in person. And I knew then, I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is happening. This is happening. We're going to get married. I knew it. If you don't believe me, there's people you can call in Hawassee today that will tell you, I went home and said, I'm going to marry Holly. Pastor Jay preaches a sermon about being pregnant with God's purpose. Not really living for the Lord. And man, when he preached that sermon, I've, I don't know that I've ever felt anything like that. It felt like that, I mean, I, there was a circus going on in my chest. And the Holy Spirit used him to plant an idea in me that God wanted to do something with my life. And that I didn't have to grow up and follow the mold that so many people where I'm from followed. It was tremendous, tremendous. I mean, I could recite the sermon to you now. It's just amazing. Why am I telling you all these stories? Because I've had amazing experiences. And God has been so good and so faithful to me. But I still reached a point where I crashed and burned. Because God's doing amazing things in here. But I didn't understand how to tear this wall down. And this wall was so heavy that I could be in the most amazing church service, get in the presence of God and feel like I was floating on a cloud. And two days later, I was like, I don't even know if I can go to church this weekend. Do you want to know who else was like that? Saul. Man, when he did good, he, I mean, he could ride the wave and he was the best in the business. But when he went home, he was in torment. Well, I've been there. So I'm not, I don't have anything against Saul. And because of this right here, I learned how to preach and administrate and go and come and do it for real. I wanted to do it for real. I really wanted God to do something in my life. I really did. But I got into a hole that I couldn't get out of. Band, y'all come help me. I need to close this thing down. I was so well fortified in my soul. Amazing potential in my spirit, man. But I didn't understand, and I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know what to say to express that I felt like I was toting around a backpack full of this stuff every day. 
And so I could go and man, we get, and I go good for two or three days and then crash. Feel like I can't get out of the bed the next day. Why? You ever been like that? Like you go to, like you're, it's the holidays and then you have to go to Thanksgiving dinner and then you leave and you're like, man, they dropped a bomb on that place. I wouldn't care. Y'all are snickering. You know what I'm talking about. Or you get the word, like, Pastor I'm not saying this about you, seriously. But you get the call, like, hey, your mother-in-law's coming. And you're like, oh, clean the house. Oh, my Lord. And you're in a nervous wreck for three days because your mother and father-in-law's coming. It's like, man, they're going to be judging us. And we're living out here in the woods, and we look like it. And, you know, they're money and city and you, all the stuff. And you panic. And then you're like, ah, yeah, oh, so good. And then they leave, and you're like, oh. Why is that? You know what? And you bring that to church with you. And you can have the best band in the whole world, which we maybe do. Best band in the whole world. And you're doing good. Be like, You want to know why? Because we know the language. We know God did something. And we know the language. And we know the lingo. We know when to clap. We know when to shout. We even know when to give sometimes. We know what to do. But this thing is still in the way. And so I got into a hole that I couldn't get out of. Now, you need to really hear what I'm about to say. I'm talking about a deep, deep, dark hole. And I was miserable for a while, but then I got numb. And I'll never forget what that felt like. When, it, when that sort of downward spiral, as me and my wife call it, when it got to the worst, I remember feeling so numb. The only way I know to describe it is that I didn't even feel human. I felt like I was going through life watching myself. That may not make sense to you. I hope it doesn't. But there may be somebody here who you say, I know what you're talking about. And let me tell you something. I was so weary. And I was so barren. There was no light and there was no water. Because I was clinging to this. Because I thought, if I come out of here, what's that going to mean? because back in there was that little eight-year-old boy that got molested. And it got so bad, I didn't want to keep going. You can say what you want to about Jordan. You can say coward. You can say easy way out. You're not a man. I don't care what you say. Because the truth is, I know better than most the price of having that fortress in your heart. That thing will starve you out. And I got into a bathtub one day with a loaded gun. And I didn't feel nothing. Nothing. 
I spent the night with death one time. And I wrestled with that thing and I lost. I'll never forget it. That was hands down the most miserable time of my life. Misery. How do I know it was death? You know if it is. You know. I've never felt a darkness like that. Felt like I was looking over a cliff. There's just void below me, nothing. I can't explain to you why. I have went through the scriptures. Try to say, okay, where's where's a scripture that explains what happened to me next? There's not one specifically, but the Bible is loaded with it. I was sitting there and it was like a light switch. And for a brief moment, I got some sanity. And I felt that spirit of death. Gone. Gone. I felt the presence of God like, I don't know how to describe it. I wept and I wept. I mean, I was busted and broken. Jesus came, and that thing left me. Shh, I want to tell you something. No matter what you find yourself fighting, don't be like Jacob and wrestle all night. Jesus didn't have to come in on a big white horse and a big flaming sword. He just walked in. And he was gone. When you've got, Bishop told me this one time when I was young, if you've got authority, you don't have to scream. And now I've learned a lesson. Now this is, this is going somewhere. You hang with me, I promise. Here's what I learned that day. Jesus has got all the power. This is real to me, y'all. I get excited. I have lived and I have seen with my eye there is nothing that Jesus can't overcome. Like that. I've seen it. I've felt it. I've watched it. There's no sickness. There's no spirit. There's no wound that he can't heal. I don't know why he came for me. I don't know why. But he did. Because I know Jordan didn't get himself out of that bathtub that day. You hearing me? Here's what I learned. When God moves in the miraculous, he's flexing his muscle. Watch what I can do. And he can do it. But now hang with me. This is the part that I need you to get. But what happened after? Because staying 
is harder than going. And I got up out of that bathtub and I had about that much sanity and I had the presence, but this right here still existed. And it took me a while to tear this thing down. Jordan, how in the world did you do it? I'm so glad that you asked. You ever wanted a miracle in your life? I'm gonna tell you how you can have a miracle in your life today. I started to think about the man who molested me. Who laid the first stone. person who was helping me said will you forgive him and my training and my religiosity said what forgive is that it we don't have to get like anointing oil and do a Jericho march nope you say that person's name and you say God I'm choosing to forgive him for what they did to me. I choose to forgive. Did I feel it when I said it? No. You wanna know the truth? I was mad as a wet hen the first time I said it. I thought I've come all this way and survived my day in the bathtub and that's all you got for me is forgive? And that right there is a sign we were right on the money. I didn't feel nothing. I didn't feel a tingle. I didn't feel the love bubble up right away. But I made a decision. By God's grace, I chose right. And I said, I'll forgive that man for what he did to me. And I'll forgive the people who let me down in the aftermath. And I'll forgive the people who led me to believe that I have to be the God of my life. I'll forgive them. And listen, just like a dam, you pull on the right stone, and the whole thing. Yeah. Colossians 3 and 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another one, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Luke 6 and 37, judge not and you'll not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. 1 Peter 4 and 8, and above all things, have fervent love for one another because love will cover a multitude of sins. Ephesians 4 and 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That leads me to point number two. When I started forgiving, it was like having an adrenaline shot on tap. All of a sudden, my prayer life started to make sense. All of a sudden, I didn't have to get to church and get to our amazing band to feel the presence. 
because I could be sitting in my bathtub where I wanted to die and Jesus would come in and we spend time together because I got this mess out of the way. Jesus said, I have come to free them that are captive. There's a lot of people still wear shackles today. And I know that. You know what I think? I think there's shackles in this room today that's wrapped around people's brains. And it looks like this right here. And if we choose to forgive and we choose to do this thing right here, repent. Repent. Because guess what? That happened to me. All the rest of this stuff, I did that. You say, you know what, God? I, I reckon, didn't feel nothing. I recognize God. I've been God for far too long. God, I recognize that I've tried to take care of myself and prop myself up and make my own way in life when that's what you promised me you would do from the very get-go. Lord, I repent to where I would not love my wife how Christ loved the church because I've been so insecure and so scared that she would reject me that I've kept her at arm's length since we've been married. God, I'm sorry. Move it out of the way. And guess what starts happening? A flow of love starts to happen. You say, preacher man, are you telling me that's all I got to do? Yeah. What part of the Bible have you been reading where Jesus is making it hard on people? I can be baffled by that. It's the easiest thing in the world. You choose. Just like you chose to build it, you choose to tear it down. And God says, you get that stuff out of the way, and I will cannonball into the soul and the spirit of your life. And I'll get in there, and I'll make a mess. All you have to do is choose. Choose. Here's what you need to know. Giving in to feelings is what helped you form all this mess to start with. Don't wait on a feeling to choose to do what God said do. Just choose. And I promise you this, that if you keep choosing, every time that person's image popped into my mind. Every time I had a dream, every time I thought a thought about what happened to me, I'd say, Lord, I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. Oh, sometimes I'd be so mad, I'd go in the bathroom and shut the door and I'd get a hold of the sink and I'd be shaking and I'd say, God, I choose. I choose to forgive because I know all I have to do is choose and because what you did, you'll make sure that I make it. You will wash me clean. You will cause me to stand. You will hold me in your hand and no person, no demon, and no weapon of the enemy can take me out of your hand because I choose to hang on to you and I choose to hang on to your word. <laughs> Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. You can stay standing. Joel 2 and 13. And rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding, in steadfast love. 
He relents over disaster. Here's what he's saying. The reason why you haven't crashed and burned yet is because God has been holding back the storm, giving you time to make the right opportunity. Don't do what Jordan did and wait till it all starts to crash. You go, man, maybe I need to forgive. Choose today. Choose today. So here's what we're going to do. I know maybe what you want to do, but I need you to trust me about what the right way to do this is. We're not gonna have prayer teams come this morning. The band is gonna play, and we're just gonna have an open altar. Two things that I want to pray, I want you to pray about. That if you're sitting there saying to yourself, all hope is lost, and it's too far gone. That's a lie. That's a lie. If that's you and you want to live, there's that much of you that says, I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up on my marriage. I'm not going to give up on my kids. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. If there's that much and you've been struggling, you run down here when they start playing. Then there's another person. While I've been telling this story, there's a name or there's a face or there's something that happened that the Lord has been bringing this to the forefront of your mind. Here's what I want you to do. Do it on your phone so nobody knows. Do it on your phone. Put a name, put a word that you know what it means. So that happened to me that day. I snuck off trying to get a piece of candy. So you just write candy. And you come right down here with paper, write it on your hand, put it on your phone. And you come right down here and you meet God and you say, God, I'm choosing to forgive. Can we do that? Is that spiritual enough for you? Come. If that's you, come. Sing a little bit, guys. be here, you may be there. If you need a little help to forgive, you can just pray what I'm about to pray. Don't overthink it. Don't over-spiritualize it. Just trust that God will honor your decision. And let's pray. Lord, I see them in my mind. I know who they are. I know what it is. Lord, I am choosing today to forgive. I'm choosing, Lord, 
because I see in your word where that is your command. And Lord, I'm putting the results, the outcome in your hands. Lord, I don't know how you'll make it better. I don't know the mechanism by which you will work, but Lord, I'm choosing to forgive knowing that you are faithful to do the work. I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to forgive that person. And I know it's hard. It's our family, it's our friends, it's our spouses, it's our loved ones. But Lord, I choose to forgive. Lord, take this from me. Take the stones. Take the stones out of my life. Take them. I don't want this. Lord, I want you to flow like a river. Flow like a river in my life. Lord, I let it go. I release it. Lord, I got open hands. I'm forgiven. I'm letting it go. God, I don't want to be king. I don't want to be ruler anymore. I want you to be. Softly now. Yeah. There we go. Softly. Yep, yep. Softly. last night and the Lord just reminded me of it there may be someone here who you feel like that your dad has rejected you maybe even hates you because you're just different than he is if that's you just say God I forgive I forgive my dad just say it say God I forgive I love that man. I'm choosing to love that man. God, I don't want anything from them. They don't owe me nothing. God, I release them into your hands. I release them into your hands. See, Jesus comes still. It's still waters. pray for people that they didn't have the mother and father they should have had Lord I pray that you touch the spot of healing you touch the wound touch it, touch it, touch it Jesus you change everything you change everything 35, 45, 55 65 years of bad history Jesus you change it you change it. I told you what I told you about my life because I know in this room there's addiction, there's abuse, there's rape, 
there's bulimia, there's anorexia, there's every kind of addiction under the sun. I know it's in here. Just let it go. Say, God, I repent. God, I'm sorry. God, take this evil, bad fruit out of my life. God, forgive me where I was looking for the right thing in the wrong place. Just so softly. Sing it very softly, Ashley. over you you may have lived every day of your life carrying this weight and carrying this struggle and I am believing that Jesus is making this the new way of life for you and for me our Father which are in heaven hallowed be your Your kingdom come and your will be done as it already is in heaven. Give me my daily supply today. Forgive me my debts as I forgive those. Lead me not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. I want to live every day. Just wake up and let my feet hit the floor knowing that my daily bread's already waiting. I don't have to slave. I don't have to strive. I don't have to perform. I don't have to impress. God's already impressed with me. 
Jesus already made a way for me to have my daily supply. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not a slave to fear. I'm not a slave to rejection. Oh, I'm not a slave. Now I'm tasting and seeing what it means to be a son or daughter. I sang this song a lot. I can't sing, so just hang on. Ashley, you can help me. me to do the miracles that Jesus did, I would love that. But when I think about the Lord and when I think about what I want God to do in me that was like Jesus, there's two things I think of. When the weight of life was bearing down on him in the garden and he said, God, not my will, but yours be done. God, I'll choose I'll choose your way. And when people have done me wrong, and I was innocent, they were wrong, but it happened anyway. When I'm the one that's hanging on the cross, I want to look at them. And I say, oh, God grace me to look and say, God, forgive them. Forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what I want. Oh, I want it so bad, I feel it in my toes. That's what I want. I'm going to let the band keep this atmosphere. We want you to know that we love you. You have been an amazing audience, and I am so grateful that you listened to me today. You need to be here in the coming days and weeks. God is doing amazing things. The seeds have been planted. God is our gardener. He's going to help you tear down the fort, and the oil is going to flow. Don't you miss out. We love you. Go and be blessed. If you want to spend time, please feel free.